Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. So for the next um, two blog posts, uh, we're going to be looking at Jesus and politics. Now, this is all part of um, our Catchphrase Christianity series. And this series is predicated on the idea that Jesus is the fullest and best revelation of what God is like. Now, we're going to deal with politics and we're going to start from maybe a a sort of an obscure uh, position. But I'm going to explain this as we go along, because this is fundamental to how we understand how we live and move and have our being. We need to get all of our assumptions, all of our presumptions about how reality is constructed and about how humanity should organise itself. And we need to get all of that, all of those ideas, all of those abstractions. We need to get them all grounded in Jesus Christ. So what I want to talk about uh, in this first part is is our conception of self and our understanding of freedom and of how politics works, how society is structured. So I want to suggest from the get go that um, oftentimes we start in the wrong place. As Christians, uh, we approach politics and we have our views uh, and we have the Bible and, and we have a hard time reconciling them both. Um, we've been taught especially in modern Western countries, that um, the state and religion just don't cross over. And so we we tend to live in these two bubbles. And it's very evident in the world today that we need something. The church needs to be able to have a voice into the political arena because things are going sideways and they're going sideways quickly. And we have uh, ways and means of engaging, but oftentimes they're not coherent and they're not grounded fully in, in a decent revelation of God. So I want to bring all of this back and I want to I want to firmly and squarely place ourselves on a foundation of Jesus Christ. I want to suggest that Jesus fundamentally reveals a God who is relational. Yes, God is powerful. Yes, God is sovereign. Yes, Jesus is Lord. But he takes all of that power and he subordinates power He subordinates that to relational ends. Uh, So John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he did something. He exercised his power because of love. Um, 1 Corinthians 5 talks about Jesus reconciling us to God. He used his power to bridge a relational gap. In Romans, it talks about um, Jesus being the firstborn amongst many brethren. He uses his power. He uses power and authority submitted to relational loving ends any half decent trinitarian theology suggests that god is a relational being even in his oneness he is relational there's this self-giving um uh deferring to other within the godhead itself and jesus reveals this totally that that god instead of superintending history from outside of creation Instead of being like Zeus and hurling down lightning bolts into creation. No, Jesus comes and incarnates himself as one in creation to redeem and reconcile and save creation, to to bring it back to God. And so ultimately, we we can say that the power of God is subordinated, is, is, is used for relational loving ends. And nowhere else is this more clearly seen than in the cross, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. You know, he said, if I wanted to, I could have had an army of angels at my disposal. 
But I choose this way of self-giving, suffering love to win you back. I don't want to destroy you. I want to win you and I want to love you. So we see the power of God manifest to bridge a relational gap. So that's the first thing. So when we talk about self, we are created in God's image. And I want to suggest that our conceptions of self in a postmodern world, in a post-enlightenment world, are slightly awry. We have a concept of self that could be likened to being like a snooker ball. It's an autonomous unit um, and, it, and it moves on its own volition and nothing should interfere with it. Nothing is going to hit that ball and change its shape. Um, it's independent. It's unilateral. It's autonomous. Um, and our freedom is such that we understand ourselves as individual units and our freedom is best expressed by our resistance to anything changing us. Our resistance to anything having an influence over us. That is our freedom. That's what we think our freedom constitutes. But the problem is this does not take account of the best of humanity. This does not take account of our best relationships. In fact, it fundamentally undermines it. Um, so our best relationships would be things like our, our, our marriage relationships or our, our, our um, children or our parents or our best friends or our teachers. Um, these strong and wonderful relationships that make us better are not accounted for with this idea, this, this, this I am an island idea of freedom. Because the thing is, is it, under that rubric, under that idea of freedom, if my wife interferes too much or has too much influence over my independence then in the name of freedom I can divorce her and move on it, it, that idea of freedom inspires no faithfulness it inspires no love it inspires no perseverance or patience it, it inspires rash and stupid decisions um, in the name of freedom the same goes with our children. If they encroach upon my freedom too much, then I can jettison them. I can take no responsibility for them. The same with teachers. If the teachers who are trying to teach me things or people that I want to learn from, if they encroach too much upon my individuality, upon my personal expression, then I can ignore them. I can jettison these lives. I can jettison this teaching. I can jettison their influence over me in the name of my freedom. And that is just sheer folly. That that means that I am championing this, this independence, this freedom from responsibility, uh, a lack of accountability. All of these things I can push away from myself uh, for freedom. What I want to suggest is freedom as demonstrated by God and, and selfhood as demonstrated by God is wrapped up in relationship. It's wrapped up in being servant hearted, submitted, obedient, faithful, patient people in these relationships that I should learn from people who, who will influence me, who will encroach upon my own ideas and change me for the better. My life is fundamentally shaped by my relationship to my wife and my daughters. I learn so much and my personality is honed and, and, and shaped and made better by these relationships. These people who are not like me, who are not exact clones of me, they change me for the better. And sometimes that's a hard process, but... Freedom, this liberty, this conception of self that's wrapped up in relationships provokes me and propels me into these relationships to be more faithful, to be more loving. And so what we want to do is get rid of these facile and shallow accounts of freedom and shallow accounts of self that just actually don't hold up to any scrutiny whatsoever. So we jettison that. And this is important because society at the moment, needs to accommodate this idea of unilateral 
individual autonomous freedom. You cannot change me. I need to be accommodated. This is my expression of self. I don't care about anybody else. I am me over and against all others. And the arrangement of society, the structuring of our politics is trying to accommodate that and it just cannot do it. When we come to talk about Jesus and politics, I want to suggest that the same relationship goals that Jesus has can be applied to our politics. The idea that power should always be submitted to relational ends and not the other way around, because the way we conceive of politics is the way we conceive of God. We conceive of God as this superlative being. We take all the qualities of human beings that we think are great and we just dial them up to 10 or 11 if you're a fan of Spinal Tap. And we say that must be what God's like. God is a superlative version of humanity. Um, and we might not admit to doing this, but this is exactly what we do. We create God in our image. We take all the best qualities of man and just ratchet it up to 10. And this is God in our image. This is God as Superman. And we take, oh, doesn't he perform beautiful miracles? Look how powerful he is. He's indescribable. He's unsurpassable. And we put all of these words to God and we just push him further and further away with this. And we, 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 we make an idol of this God of power. And God's always saying, look, I took my power and I divested myself. Of it. You know, the, the, the beautiful hymn in Philippians 2. You know, he had all of this power and yet he decides to become the lowest of the low, the servant of all. You know, Jesus says, if you want to be a leader, you must become the servant of all people, just like I have served you. It can't be more clear, but we get really fuzzy on it because of the way we conceive of self, the way we conceive of freedom and the way we conceive of power. And so this is a little bit of, of an intro and it's really important that we start to shift our thinking and get Christ at the centre of everything. Jesus Christ is our Alpha and Omega. Jesus Christ is our benchmark for truth. He is the truth and the way and the life. And if we start conversations in the abstract, talking about truth with a little t, then we're going to end up in the wrong places, demonstrating the wrong sort of system, the wrong sort of kingdom. So we want to ground ourselves in this Trinitarian concept of God that is best revealed by Jesus Christ. And so there are a few questions that I want to throw at you um, just to just to just to muse on. And then next week, we're going to we're going to dive straight into uh, John 18, uh, Jesus's confrontation with Pilate. And we're going to look at how this plays out, how Jesus representing God confronts Pilate representing the kingdoms of this world. So a few questions for you to think on uh, for this week. Number one is defining self as relational, a good account of personhood. Has what I've said, is that true or can can we just get rid of that? You know, is that just nonsense? Am I wrong? Is defining self as relational a good account of personhood? Number two, is freedom defined as independence or choice a Christ-like definition of freedom? That's commonly what we conceive it as. If I have choice, then I have freedom. Um, what is a Christ-like definition of freedom, therefore? Question three, how does Jesus use his power and authority? How does this compare or contrast with the current models demonstrated within our politics? Question four, how do we confess faith? That is, how do we pledge allegiance to Jesus as Lord in a world where we are asked to pledge allegiance to our nation and or our political leadership? Question five, is our allegiance too vested in our politics? Does our politics shape the way we live and move and have our being in this world? Does our politics frame other people? Is our allegiance too vested in our politics? Question six. How can relational goals grounded in Jesus bridge our political divides? 
what does Jesus do? So I hope I've given you something to think about. Please go and read the blog. It's uh, it's uh, kind of a bit more precisely articulated there. And we're working into a part two. So wait for that. You know, don't jump to any conclusions about what I'm going to do. Um, enjoy. Uh, be blessed. In Jesus name. Amen. <laughs>